Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, our ophthalmology OCAPS and Board Review podcast. We are your hosts, Ben Young. And Amanda Redfern. This week, we are going to start our oral Board Review series by presenting a common topic that might be covered by the boards and then going through the differential, showing you how we would go through the differential diagnosis. So what are we going to talk about this week, Amanda? So this week, we're going to take the very classic topic of a, an acquired myopic shift. And we don't, we're not going to present a specific example, but hopefully, you know, the case will be something along the lines of they became more minus in a prescription uh, over some period of time. And then they may show a picture or, you know, they may not even show a picture for that. And then you would just have to go through the differential diagnosis. Amanda, what is your approach for this kind of differential diagnosis? So I like this as a classic case because you can take the approach of, going through a differential from front to back, Mm -hmm. which gives you a good system for doing it in a very short period of time, which is what you're dealing with on the oral boards. That's the way I deal with at least these uh, refractive shift cases. Yeah. And I think for a lot of cases, it's great to have that structure. You know, even if you don't decide to go anterior posterior, you might go system space, you know, like the vitamin C mnemonic or something. But it, it, you got to have a structure. Otherwise, you're like definitely going to forget things, yeah. I think. If you have a mnemonic, that's great too. But we didn't Not have Not everything's amenable to mnemonic, but when they are, it's so sweet. It's so amenable to mnemonics. That's what I, we should have renamed the, the podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So starting in the front of the eye, where could your myopic shift be? So starting with the cornea, an acquired myopic shift would come from keratoconus. Yeah. That could either be, you know, your classic keratoconus or even having just a post-refractive ectasia. And then the next thing that we would hit is the anterior chamber, but there's nothing much specifically in the AC that would cause a myopic shift. So then we can move on to the lens, which is connected to the ciliary body. And this is where the lion's share of our myopic shift stuff is. So one obvious one, probably the most common one, is cataract progression. You know, progressing in a nucleosclerotic cataract can give you myopic shift. But that's not, don't stop there. So what else could there be, Amanda? Well, what about all of our patients with diabetes? So we often kind of talk about this in clinic as a reason for changes, and it comes from the lenticular edema with the hyperglycemia. Yeah, that's a critical one to remember. The residents I work with will will know that I was like raving about this because there was a patient that I'd seen who had lenticular edema and it, it um, had a myopic shift during the lenticular edema and that's how their pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor was found. Was, oh, wow. Yeah, like they had new, like did not know they had diabetes and then a, a CT eventually showed that they had diabetes because it's pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor, et cetera. So like, now that is probably too deep. Like that, like you're not going to be questioned much, I don't think, about pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors, but you know, that that's how myopic shift could... You know, this is one of those like could kill you if you don't recognize diabetes differentials. Another thing is accommodative spasm. That's definitely something that needs to be considered. Um, one possible cause of that would be a traumatic accommodative spasm. These are like the kids coming into the ED after like getting knocked in the head, playing football. Right. And their vision is suddenly really blurry and then all of a sudden you give them the uh, phenyl and tropic, specifically the tropic, and they can see better. Yeah. And this is not like traumatic iritis. You know, it's not like um, spasm of ciliary body from that. So 
Okay, and then there are medications that can affect the lens or ciliary body. What might those be? Antihistamines being a common one and topiramate being a very classic testable uh, medication. Yeah, and that can cause uveal fusions that can rotate the ciliary body uh, anteriorly, which can induce myopia. That's another very real thing that you can't miss. I feel like topiramate is like the most hated oral medication in glaucoma because I felt like it was peppered in the glaucoma at BCSC. Yeah, <laughs> there's like many things in there, but... <laughs> yeah. um, okay. But and I is like that, topiramate a lot because it's helpful for IIH. Yeah, I know that you... <laughs> you uh, Neurophthalmologists like to prescribe it a lot, but you know it can cause problems like, like myopic shift. And is that it? We went through the lens. We're done with this episode. What about the whole eye? There's a rest... Well, okay, so the vitreous cavity, there's not really that much in the vitreous cavity that can result in a myopic shift. But I guess now if we keep going back, then there's the posterior sclera. And I think this is where people, uh, it's easy to forget things on your differential. So what with the sclera can lead to a myopic shift? Well, when people like Ben get their hands on you, sometimes you can wind up with a scleral buckle. Mm-hmm. So that could be a way to acquire a, a myopic shift. I, I don't think that the boards are usually going to be tricky in that like, oh, the patient had like a recent surgery and didn't tell you. But, you know, you got to keep that on a differential in case that comes up as a, um, part of the rest of this question stem. Another thing that is sort of related is a staphyloma. So to, to remind you, that's you, usually in patients with high myopia, the posterior pole can bulge out posteriorly and it can continue to bulge out over life and that can give you an acquired myopic shift as well. And younger or earlier in life, congenital glaucoma can change your axial length so they can get an acquired my, uh, myopic shift as well. Yeah, especially kind of that more of that pediatric population. Okay, and now that is basically the differential for myopic shift. So Amanda, do you want to just um, list them off one more time in order so that our reviewers can remember that? So from front to back, cornea, you can get keratoconus and ectasias. For your lens and ciliary body, there's cataract progression, lenticular edema from diabetes, accommodative spasm, and medications, including antihistamines and topiramate. And then the globe as a whole, you can get uh, progressive staphyloma, changes from scleral buckle surgery and congenital glaucoma, which will change your axial length or can change your axial length. And that's it. You know, we're hoping that these episodes are kind of uh, shorter and sweeter. Uh, If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on Twitter, uh, not Twitter. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. Shut up. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes or if you found us. Um, and, you know, if uh, you'd like to support the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes4ears with the number four. What's up? You could also tweet uh, feedback yeah. on how you would like these episodes to go. What would be the most helpful format for you? Yeah, you know, we'd love, love to make oral board view a little bit easier and provide another you know, freely available resource given how expensive oral board review and um, the you know acquisition of test materials can be. So anything we can do to make these better, we'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.